to Assurance in Action, the podcast of your total quality assurance provider, Intertech. Today, we will be discussing ISO 27001, the International Organization for Standardization Standard for Information Security Management Systems. Today's guest is Charlie Clark, who is Intertech's Risk Program Manager for North America. Charlie, thank you for coming on today. Well, it's my pleasure, Seth, and it's good to see you. You too. Charlie, could you discuss a bit of what you do with Intertech and your background uh, in the industry? Oh, happy to do so. Uh, I've been with Intertech um, in my fifth year, and originally my role was one of design development and deployment of custom solutions, programs for clients, supply chain, using skills like Lean Six Sigma, Kaizen, improvement methodologies. But... um, Since January, I've had the good fortune of heading up the program for risk management. So for Intertech, our risk management approach is largely around several key topics, of which 27,000 is one. So information security management system is 27,000. As well, we offer anti-bribery management system, 37,000. We offer IT services management system which is ISO 20000-1, also asset management systems, 55,000 in the ISO catalog, and business continuity management system, 22301. So there's quite a suite of accredited and some also some unaccredited services that we offer. Great. So what is ISO 27001 and what does the standard address? Great question. Um, ISO, which is also known as ISO slash IEC 27000, is the best known standard in the family, providing requirements for an information security management system, what you might call, quote, ISMS, unquote. You simply can't be too careful when it comes to information security. Protecting personal records and commercially sensitive information is critical in today's global economy. Suppose for a moment a criminal were using your security cam to keep an eye on your warehouse, or your break room refrigerator sends out spam emails on your behalf to people you don't even know. Or imagine someone hacks into your networked printer and gains access to your entire network. You know, as smart pod, uh, products proliferate with the Internet of Things, so do the risks of attack via new connectivity. So these ISO standards can help make this emerging industry much safer. And again, the ISO IEC 27000 family of standards helps the organizations keep information and assets secure. What is IEC? Uh, you mentioned ISO IEC. Well, it's true, and, and that's, that's a great point. Maybe not everyone's aware. So ISO, most people think, stands for International Standards Organization, which is a faux pas and a a myth, kind of a folklore. ISO actually stands for the International Organization for Standardization. And the IEC component is a collaborative effort on this standard with the International Electrotechnical Commission, which is the International Standard and Conformity Assessment Body for all fields of electro-technology. So who is ISO 27001 meant for? 
Well, that's a great question, Seth. And I think there is, you know, a number of ways we could talk about this. I guess you might say some industries may find themselves more at risk than others. For example, here are some maybe top targets that I would think of. Uh, let's start with healthcare. You know, we certainly see ransomware as an increasing target of companies and organizations, particularly within the healthcare industry. These organizations have thousands or even tens of thousands of gigabytes of patient data that they can't afford to lose. This makes an organization such as a hospital or a health center all the more willing to pay handsomely to get their data back at any cost. The sheer volume of data breaches in the last couple of years supports this claim with one breach having occurred every single day resulting in more than 27 million patient records being affected. In fact, the dark web became so saturated with patient records during this time that the price per record actually began to drop significantly because of the flood of availability. The healthcare industry is also likely a candidate for another very prominent reason. It's still transitioning from paper to digital records. Cybersecurity is lacking in this field due to healthcare's short-term digital presence. They're very new to it. They haven't learned what the risks are. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Another example, higher education. In the higher education industry, it's another mecca of personal data. Hackers are eager to get in and get their hands on this information. You have students' social security numbers. You have parents' information, addresses, passwords, loans, bank credentials. The attacks on colleges and universities are becoming more and more common. For example, 1.35 million identities were exposed to higher education cyber attacks. Just a glance and a comparison of a decade earlier reveals higher education was actually the industry sector with the highest number of breaches, 539 breaches involving nearly 13 million records. It's, it's a lot of people being affected. Well, it, it's, it, it's scary. And, of course, you've got the student, you've got mom, you've got dad, you've got grant information that's asking for all those details. Right. And the higher education institutions are a near-ideal target for attackers due to the amount of information they store, as we said, students, parents, school, financials, employment history. And then lastly, we have uh, energy as another industry. The energy industry is one of the largest industries at risk of cyber attacks. They usually have a lot of equipment and it's usually separated by miles of empty space. So hackers can try to tap into these energy networks just by driving near to them or even getting connection and disrupting things from a short distance away. For example, a recent instance of this, where researchers from the University of Tulsa were discovering and demonstrating just how easy it is to hack an entire wind turbine farm. All it took was less than a minute of lock picking 
on an unsupervised turbine's door to gain access to the inside of that turbine where there was unsecured servers and server closets readily accessible and easy to operate. From there, these researchers, once in, once given permission <laughs> that they gave themselves, uh, they left the turbine and could drive away of miles and miles of uninhabited rural fields and just simply sit and use their laptops, which they had connected to that one turbine, and they instantly had access to a list of IP addresses representing each and every single network turbine in that whole farm. The simple pick of a lock and some inexpensive equipment was all it took to gain access to the whole network that would allow them to send commands to entire wind turbine networks, which is quite scary when you think about it, an increasingly popular form of American energy production. So that would give them access to everyone on that network's exactly. energy consumption? Ex exactly. In, in a technical term, by breaking in or, or breaching that single node on the network, they were within the network able to access each and every turbine, turbine and every IP address within that network. Because once you're in, you can wreak havoc. You know, there's another instance, by the way, hackers can cause widespread power outages to undermine critical defense infrastructure. This puts at risk health and safety of millions of U.S. citizens at one time. Some reported breaches have even target, targeted natural gas pipelines, companies both in the U.S. and Canada that manage more than half of all the pipelines available in the Western Hemisphere. These breaches are, are quite concerning. Uh, these are the, the type of things that uh, cybersecurity and uh, the lack of cybersecurity and real terror is, is made of. Or consider for a moment the electric power grid and power generation facilities, which, by the way, Seth, includes nuclear power plants. They're all controlled by technology and communication systems that, without the proper safeguards, could be disrupted, hacked, or controlled by way of a cyber attack. It's, uh, it's quite concerning and, and something that, without the proper safeguards and protections, can put an organization as well as a whole community or uh, half of the eastern seaboard in right. grave danger. Right. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nightmare just to think about the implications that could come of that. So you mentioned that these large organizations such as Energy and sure. universities, yeah. they're all at risk. Right. Now, what about smaller businesses, for example, mid-sized businesses? Well, that's a great question because really the, the risk can be quite high regardless of the size of an organization. For example, as many small business owners that may not have taken cybersecurity seriously, uh, you know, we, we often think, to your point, that most large corporations have that in infrastructure to thwart cyber attacks. And small-scale companies either don't have that resource or don't believe they're at risk when it comes to cyber attacks. However, to your point, and I'm glad you asked the question, statistics show in, for example, 2017, 
it was reported that approximately 14 million small businesses had been hacked in that 12-month period. About half of today's cyber attacks actually target small businesses. These attacks may not make national headlines, which is why we may not hear about it as much as we might uh, a very large organization, uh, such as a clothing store or credit card information. But hackers know a few things to be true. Small businesses are ripe with valuable data. They're less likely to have a strict security measure in place, and their owners are more likely to pay ransom to restore their critical data. It's also true that it's much more difficult for a small business to recover from a cyber attack than it is for a larger corporation. In fact, sadly, about 60% of small businesses that fall victim to attacks have gone out of business within six months. Now, this isn't scare tactics. This is raw data. It's happening, and it's just not getting perhaps the uh, publicity and attention that uh, one would would want to know about. But uh, the truth is small companies can, can protect themselves and, uh, and there are solutions out there and that's why we're talking about this and providing some insights. So what are the main focuses of ISO 27001? Um, what does the standard cover exactly? Well that's a great segue because I think when we're talking about small businesses as well as corporations the best thing to do is protect your business before an attack occurs. The cybersecurity pros suggest performing regular software updates as a general first step. And the reason for that is most of the uh, malware, the attempts, the, the hacking backdoors that people find out about and share on the dark web, the software companies are patching and sending corrections and always forever increasing the security of their their available software that a company may have purchased. So keeping up-to-date software updates is a great first step. And if possible, it's smart to enable two-factor authentication. And you may see this now in, with smartphones and some of your technology in uh, maybe even um, email accounts, etc., cetera, uh, requiring a text or some other identification or authentication, as well as regular backups of company data or creating stronger passwords, something with special characters, capital letters, something that can be changed every certain period of time, and maintaining quality antivirus software. I, I, I know that another thing that... Um a lot of companies have done is the um, is the nine quadrant uh, find the stop sign type of uh, security measure, where it's checking to see if you're a real person that that, that type of thing. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, that that is another way of uh, <clears throat> of authenticating somebody that they're not a robot, yeah. that they're not a spy bot that's out there looking for some vulnerability. Yeah. That's a great point. And uh, a lot of that gets into uh, exactly what this 27,000 standard is all about, which is what uh, basically you asked me about. I mean, typically, management systems are built upon a plan, do, check, act approach. And in that planning, you plan to mitigate or be aware of your risks 
the doing is actually the protection, the monitoring, and the improvements. Uh, so you plan and then you go ahead and do and implement your checks and your controls. And then more specifically, you, you do some assessments, whether it's uh, penetration testing, whether it's uh, some level of number of hits to a firewall. And from that numeric data and the assessment, you take action to make things stronger. So within the standard, there are 10 sections within the ISO IEC 27001 standard. The planning section covers the first four, five, six, and seven, the first four subsections. And we won't go into great detail here on a short podcast and uh, happy to discuss this uh, ad nauseum with uh, some of our, our training courses. We get into a lot more detail. But the high-level planning would be the context of the organization. Is it large? Is it small? Is it a software as a service, uh, software as a product? You know, what defines the organization? That's section four. Section five would be leadership and the demonstration of what's important, the definition of a policy, roles, responsibilities. Section six is specific planning activities to include addressing risks and opportunities. And then section seven of the ISO IEC 27001 is the support of resources, competence, awareness, and training, communication, etc. That's all the planning part, Seth. So once you've got your plan in place, right. now you go do it. Right. Yeah. So section eight would be the operational component. So planning and controlling of your operation, the information security risk assessment, and this, this section of Section 8 is very clear about how do you do and control and consider your risk assessment for information security. And then 8.3 rounds it out with treatment. How do you address and take action and treat those information security risks. So that's the planning and the doing. Section nine, Seth, would be the checking. Right. So here you get into the evaluation. So you might consider monitoring, uh, as we mentioned earlier, measurement, uh, analysis. And again, that sometimes uh, it's worthwhile, depending on the industry, some companies that are dealing with personal information or uh, or personal card information. There are rigorous requirements out there that specify some level of independent third-party assessment that would perform penetration, um, you know, testing and evaluation of the uh, responsiveness and incident control and these kind of things. Another performance evaluation, Seth, would be internal audits. Right. So, I mean, basically, Internal audits are just that. An organization would check themselves around the procedures, the policies, the um, training of people. Are they doing what they've been trained to do, etc.? And then lastly, they would report that assessment, internal audit record report to management review where the senior management would sit around in a, a, a group setting and review all of the 
management system plans and have we met the plans, targets, are we meeting those targets, milestones, objectives, uh, what kind of failures have we had, are there corrections that are needed, and basically how do we go forward and make improvements, which is the last step of the plan, do, check, act. Acting or taking action is section 10, which is improvement. So here you see the transition from a nonconformance or something that doesn't meet a requirement into corrective action. And the true and effective corrective action, Seth, is going to be one that never happens again. That's 10.1. And then 10.2 is continual improvement. So an upward scale that uh, may plateau at times, may have dips, but the trend is an improvement towards the goal of zero defects, zero breaches, and uh, basically a very effective system. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned assessing risk, and I had mentioned earlier the, uh, the robot deterrent yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. application. So with malicious hacking in mind, uh, whether it be you know your stereotypical person mm -hmm. with a hood in front of a laptop that everyone likes to share yeah. versus yeah. a sophisticated robot that will go in the program that will just go in and attempt to penetrate anything that you have. Yeah. Um, so in relation to risk assessment, where do you see malicious hacking? Wow, great question. And, and uh, sounds like you're pretty technically savvy yourself. Uh, basically, I think, you know, in maintaining an organization, probably everyone's aware that organizations have what's called a firewall. And the reason for a firewall is because you, want, you don't want your data to be burned. You don't want it to be stolen. You don't want it to be corrupted. So as part of maintaining a firewall, and often in our volatile information security world today, companies are, are maintaining multiple firewalls um, for protection. I mean, basically, the, the firewalls and their testing is for effectiveness. And, and I think I mentioned earlier also uh, third-party assessors who would employ penetration tests and, and various measures to uh, banking industry and um, global security standards. But more specifically, I think, if I'm right, you're really asking how, <clears throat> how or where in this ISO, IEC standard might that be covered? Is that really kind yeah, of what you're exactly, looking for? Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, I can think of a couple of places where that might come up. So uh, we talked about the 10 clauses of the standard that we talked about planning, doing, checking, and acting. Uh, what is rather unique about the ISO IEC 27000 standard is it actually makes reference to an appendix, and this appendix is very detailed, and a lot of the requirements for operational assessment are driven and sampled from this appendix. So, for example, the topic of the standard appendix section a 12.4. This appendix talks about logging and monitoring. 
Now in there, and again, I'm not going to read it verbatim. I think I'd put the audience to sleep, quite frankly. But uh, you know, in, in there, logging and monitoring are the, the requirements, the protocols, the, uh, the kind of high-level guidance for what logging and monitoring should cover in specific to malicious uh, hacking, as an example, what kind of logging and monitoring takes place around a malicious attack or some kind of hacking event? How's it logged? How's it monitored? How's it reported? What happens around that? Now, also in section A, appendix A12.6, is another subsection called technical vulnerability management. So again, if you were to read this section under Appendix A12.6, it talks about preventing exploitation of technical vulnerabilities. So this series of uh, appendices is geared towards information security and best practices around a management system. So malicious hacking is a great example and there's probably other examples of how the standard and the appendix cover that, but I think that gives you the gist of it. Great. So with an emphasis on uh, data security, with legislation recently passed, um, GDPR, um, there's an increased focus on um, information security by governments and larger organizations. What does ISO 27001 accomplish in relation to GDPR, for example? Well, again, that's a great question. This, uh, the, the GDPR is something that even us here in North America are hearing more and more. And quite frankly, that's because we're such a global community now. Uh, even though we have organizations here in North America, if they're interacting, if they're supplying or selling or consuming from Europe, this GDPR and information requirements piece is becoming more and more prevalent. GDPR is General Data Protection Regulation. So this is a European requirement, the General Data Protection Regulation, and it requires businesses throughout Europe to take necessary technical and organizational measures to ensure a high level of information security according to Article 32 which is security of processing data. Now the thing to note here for our North American audience is although examples of security measures and controls are cited, the General Data Protection Regulation does not provide a detailed guidance on how to achieve this. The GDPR talks about a percentage penalty of your gross sales. It's a hefty fine, and it's going to get people's attention, but we have the regulation and we have the hefty fine, but the question everyone's asking is, how do we get there? How do we achieve this? And I think this is, to our audience's benefit, this is one of what I think is the segues to this ISO IEC 27000 standard is there's a defined ISMS which needs to be supported by top leadership. This is GDPR requirements now. Uh, they don't tell you how to achieve this, but there is a defined 
information security management system required that must be supported by top leadership that must be incorporated into the organization's culture and strategy, constantly monitored, updated, and reviewed. So really, using this process of continual improvement that ISO IEC talks about, that we've just discussed, an organization would be able to ensure that the ISMS adapts to change that both in the environment and in the organization, it identifies and reduces risks and further implementing an ISO IEC 27001 compliant ISMS would protect your organization against all the types of risks that would affect confidentiality, integrity, availability of data in all of its forms, and you would see the benefits of implementing such an ISMS. ISO 27000 certification has been recognized by several European supervisory authorities for its capacity to provide evidence of the intent and the effort to comply with the GDPR. So while it doesn't give you detailed guidance on how to achieve it, these European oversight committees, these authorities, are using 27,001 certified ISMS organizations for just that, to provide evidence of the intent and evidence of the effort to comply with GDPR. Uh, some folks have said that a GDPR assessment is more than three-quarters of the way covered by having implemented an ISO IEC 27001 certified um, management system. When I hear people from Europe describing that uh, three-quarters of the standard of the GDPR requirements are being demonstrated with an ISMS, uh, I, I sit up and take notice. I think this is a great starting point for GDPR interaction from North American countries. So an ISO 27000 compliant ISMS encompasses the three essential aspects of a comprehensive information security regime. The three components are people, processes, and technology. So this approach will help protect data from not only technology-based risks, but also other more common threats, such as poorly informed staff not doing what they should have, or ineffective procedures in making clear what the safeguards are. You know, the ISMS, the 27001 requirements, also sets out a recommended list of the Annex A that I've described, the appendix. There are 114 controls. The Annex A is, is comprised of 14 different sections that covers, among other things, supplier relationships, incidents response management, physical security, cryptography, asset management, policies and human resources. In this way, in this structured approach, your business is covered for any eventuality.
I feel like I'm lecturing, Seth. Is this making sense? No, it, it absolutely is. Excellent. Um, it, Excellent. It, it brings you a certain degree to the GDPR standards, and then that gap is really what you really need to assess. Oh, you're spot on, and I feel like I feel like you must. I must be saying it right because you're getting it. I mean, effective risk management should be at the heart of any information security management system. And likewise, the GDPR specifically requires a risk assessment to ensure an organization has identified risks that can affect their personal data and the treatment plans of what they're going to do about it. So, I mean, basically, in, in kind of wrapping it up here, Cybersecurity and compliance, they're ongoing processes. An information security management system is not going to be an event. It's not something you do once and you put on a shelf. These are ongoing processes, and this plan, do, check, act, it has to be regularly tested, maintained, updated. That's where the action, the improvement comes in. Yeah. It, it's really something that needs to be in, in, in integrated into yes. your processes. Yes. Uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of companies do, for example, ISO 9001 and 14001 together. Sure, sure. And this is just another one of those type of things where it needs to be part of your processes. It's not a separate No, thing. absolutely yeah. not. And, and you're spot on. The 10 sections that we referred to, this is part of that high-level structure that the uh, ISO community has architected so that it's readily available to be integrated into a, an existing management system. Uh, this is an enhancement, a more holistic approach. And basically, the, the, the security of your information, whether it's uh, from personal information, whether it's uh, credit card information, banking information, or even intellectual property of what drives your business, the failure to implement and maintain these essential security practices can reduce your organization's legal defense in the event of a data breach. So, I mean, to me, it just makes good sense that an independent third-party assessment or certification to a recognized standard of information security like ISO IEC 27001, it does two things. It provides an external expert assessment on the efficacy of your security posture, and then B, it is a defensible position with evidence that you have taken reasonable measures to mitigate your data security risks. So thank you for taking the time to come in today. Well, I, I, I hate to stop so abruptly, but I, again, I, I, I could just keep talking and put people to sleep, and I don't want that to happen either. <laughs> I don't think you would put them to sleep. All right. Well, um, great. So uh, this has been another episode of Assurance in Action. Uh, to learn more about ISO 27001, please visit intertech.com. Please remember to subscribe to stay up to date on all Assurance in Action episodes, and uh, thank you again for tuning in.